and welcome to the Blues Guitar Show podcast with me, Ben Martin, from thebluesguitarshow.com, the podcast that brings you passion, practice and perseverance for your guitar playing journey. Hope everyone is having a great week this week on the podcast. Today we are talking about how to fix your improvisation, five ways that you can become a better blues improviser. Now I'm talking specifically about playing lead, playing blues solos over a 12 bar progression. What we're going to talk about in this is we're going to cover some chords, we're going to cover some scales, we're going to cover some theory, some techniques, things like rhythm and some loftier concepts in there too. So stick around, it's going to be a really, really useful one. So improvising blues solos, one of the things I get asked about the absolute most. And one of the things I really enjoy teaching, improvising is my favourite thing about playing guitar. It's one of my favourite things about music. I think there's nothing better than listening to a really, really great improviser. So let's get stuck straight into it. So number one way that you can become a better blues improviser. And for this one, I want you to really think about what is the most important thing when you're listening to a blues solo. Is it the notes that you're playing? Is it the way you're playing the notes? Is it the tone? Is it the rhythm? And for me, it's all about the phrasing. Now, I'm going to just play a couple of examples throughout this uh, episode so you can hear what it is I'm talking about, give you a really good idea of what I mean by these things. But Phrasing for me is one of the most important things. And I think it's actually been proven. The episode we did a few weeks back about Albert King's playing, BB King's playing, you know, there's not a lot of notes going on, but the phrasing is what makes it sound absolutely great. So check out this idea here. I'm going to play uh, in the key of A, and I'm going to use just these four notes. So that's A, fret 10 on the on the B string. Uh, fret 13, the C. And on the first string, I'm going to play fret 10 and fret 12, which is my D and E. So that's the first four notes of our minor pentatonic. And I'm going to throw some bends in there too, so I'll bend up to the... But tonally, those are the only notes I'm using. So we've got this... Now let's see what we can create just using some interesting phrasing. example there I'm just using four notes but a bit like the Albert King or BB King approach all you need to do really is play around with that phrasing and you can start to get something that sounds quite melodic it's a really good exercise actually to limit yourself to just a few notes and see if you can start to get some good sounding stuff from just a very very limited palette of colors Now, when you're practically doing this, the one thing you want to think about, instead of thinking about what rhythms you're playing, think about what space you're leaving. So that example where I was going, I'm leaving a lot of space before the next. And it's that space that really helps create that tension. So tip number one is to think about your phrasing and your rhythm when you're playing. Okay, tip number two, this is talking about what it is you're playing. So number one, think about the rhythm and phrasing. Number two, think about what notes you're playing. 
Now, one of the things that I come across all the time is everyone being really familiar with the minor pentatonic scale and absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a great sounding scale, but it can be and is often heavily overused. There's a time and a place for each scale. um, And if you use it too often, you'll find that you are falling trapped to what I just did in the last exercise. Really, you're limiting yourself to just using five notes. And even though, you know, you might be able to play those five notes all over the fretboard and that sounds really cool and you know loads of licks using those five notes, it's going to sound pretty stale pretty quickly. So tip number two is think about what notes you're playing. Now, the best way to do this is to use chord tones. Uh, these are the notes that make up the chords that you're playing over. So I'm going to show you one shape that you can use pretty much over any 12-bar blues. Now, when we're playing blues music, we are normally using seventh chords. So if we were using something like an A7, it sounds like that. The notes that we're using within that, in terms of the chord tones that we're using, is we've got the root, the third, the fifth, and the minor seven. So if you know your major and minor scales, you want to be looking at your major scale. So if we take the A major scale, let me talk you through a simple shape of how to play that one. Uh, This scale shape, we're going to start on the top string fret five. We're going to go five, seven, nine, down a string five, seven, nine, down a string four, five. Okay, that's our A major scale. So we need to find the first, the third, the fifth, and the seventh of that one. So the first is your A, the third, that's our C sharp, the fifth is an E, the seventh of the major scale is a G sharp. But if you remember, I said that we need the minor seventh. So we need to flatten that G sharp to a G. So the notes that we're going to play, A, C sharp, E, G. Now when we're playing a solo, think about playing it down here, not that useful. So let's find a different shape where we can find those notes. So we're going to start on an A, this time we're going to use the A on the third string. So let's use the one way up here, fret 14 on the third string. Then the next note was a C sharp, so we need to go down fret 14 on the second string. Then the next note was an E, so we need to go to fret 17. And then to the G, fret 13 on the first string. 14 on the third, 14 on the second, 17 on the second, and then 13 on the first. You can also do that. You could do the E fret 12 on the first string if you wanted, make a bit of an easier pattern. If you don't have a, a cutaway or if you're on an acoustic, that might work for you as well. Um, But using these chord tones is really useful because it gives us some of these really important notes, i.e. the the third, which we actually don't have in our minor pentatonic, and that makes your solo sound really, really classy. So now I'm going to play you a quick example, just moving that around, that same shape across three different areas. Remember, you just need to find that third string root for that shape. So the third string root shape is you play the root note on the third string, you go down a string and play exactly the same fret, then you go up three frets, and then you go down a string again and play two frets below that one. So if I was to do that for, let's do the second one, a D, for example, we need to find the D on the third string. So we're looking at fret seven, and down a string, fret seven, then go up three frets to 10, and then down on the first string to eight. 
So you'd have the A, D. And if you wanted to complete that 12 bar up to the E. So let's have a look at this over a 12 bar. Okay, tip number three is to vary your starting points. Now, what I mean by this is so often um, when we're starting off improvising 12 bars, we start everything from the root note. And just think about trying to start on different tones, even if you're using just that minor pentatonic scale. Try and think about starting in different areas. And what I find useful um, to do this with is to learn different shapes of the minor pentatonic not starting on the root. So what I mean by that, for example, is something like... That's the bottom part of the minor pentatonic in A, but we're starting on the G string, so we're starting from that fret 5 on G, so we go 5, 7, 5, 8, 5. But try and get into the habit of starting in different places because otherwise every phrase is going to start on the root note. And we don't want every phrase to start on the root note because, again, that's going to become mundane fairly quickly. So when you're doing this, one good way of exercising it would be to think about the root notes of the chords that are changing. So we've got our three chords, our A and our D and our E. Try and think about starting uh, the first licks on the A. Then you can think about when it changes to the D, well, where's the D? The D's here. So what lick can I start on the D? And then the E, trying to start on the here. And you can end back on the A. But just trying to think about varying where you start your licks, it's going to make a huge difference to where you then go because your fingers are kind of trained in what you train them. They only know what you tell them to do. And if you keep repeating the same licks, starting and ending on the root note, you're going to find it very difficult to break out of that. So, And it, this also helps with your musicality, trying to think about when those chord changes are coming in our 12-bar format, moving with the changes. So tip number three is to start in different places. Practice some licks or practice starting on different points, even if you're just using that one scale. But this is a great one to combine with number two, using those chord tones. Okay, tip number four is to think about your bends. Now, this is a really tough one. This is kind of a, this is kind of a tip in two halves. One is to try and fix your bends to make sure that they are always bending on point. And two is to think about which notes you can and can't bend. This is something that happens so often. If you think about it and you think about the scale that we're playing... Think about what we've got in between those notes. So, for example, um, we've got our, our 5 to 8 on the top string, right? Then our 5, 7 on the 5th. Now, that 5, 7 is one tone apart, which means I can bend from the D to the E. So if I took that down to fret 10 on string 1, I could bend. And that's going to work. That's going to sound good. What I can't do is bend from the D to the D sharp. So I can't do a half bend because that's going to hit this 
fret 11, which we don't have in the scale, and it's going to sound wrong. So think about which notes you can bend and start this with a, a whole tone bend, so a two fret bend. Which notes can you bend on the two frets and which notes can't you? Another good example is the root note, for example, this uh, A. If we did that fret um, 10, sorry, on the, on the string two, if you bend this, it's going to take you either up to 11 or 12, both of which we can't use. We need number 13, so we need to go up to the C, so we need to bend. You need to bend up to that C for that to work. So think about which notes you can and can't bend. Try and think of them in terms of the note names because that's really going to help here. And the other bit of advice would be to try and fix your bends, to try and make sure that you're bending to the right note. Now this is going to be tricky depending on how you do your bends and things like string gauge and if you're playing an acoustic and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for me, I'm playing I'm playing eights on this guitar, so my bending uh, <laughs> tends to be a little bit out because I'm not totally used to playing eights yet. Um, but the way to do this would be to play, say, D, fret 10 on the first string, and then play E, fret 12, get that tone in your head, that pitch, then try and bend up to it. And then when you think you're there, you can play back to fret 12 to check it. So checking your bends, it's a really good piece of advice uh, that I was given years ago. But to play the bend and then play the note you were trying to bend to, and you'll pretty quickly, your ears will get trained to whether or not you're able to do it and your hands will start to work with it. So that's a good one to do. So even if you're just doing something simple like that, D to E bend, fret 10 to 12 on the first string, really worth practicing. <laughs> All right, and my last tip of how to fix your blues improvisation is to learn solos. Now, I know this sounds basic and I know I talk about it quite a lot, but you really, really need to learn other people's it's really going to help you understand their licks and their solos. And I think it's one of the things that I wish I'd started doing sooner. Take a deep dive, find a player that you really like. Um, maybe even if you want to, if you feel like you're not ready to play some of the really fast stuff and all of that kind of stuff, you know, maybe don't start with a player like Stevie Ray Vaughan, start with an Albert King or a BB King or start with a, um, Albert Collins, something like that. Um, and somebody that you really admire and love and just try and take apart what they're doing in their solos. You can take some slower ones to start with. Um, anything rock me baby is a good one for that. Um, born under a bad sign would be a good one. Um, the Iceman cometh, anything from there, like that kind of whole period, you can find a whole load of breadth of resources that are really going to help you with this because you can find slower blues stuff. The licks aren't amazingly fast. The theory isn't incredibly complicated, but you'll get a really good handle on their phrasing, uh, their moving over chord changes, the notes that they're targeting and things like Ben's vibrato and all of the good annotations that go along with it. In fact, almost everything that we covered in this list, you can find just by learning some of that stuff. And luckily for you, I've already made a bunch of episodes with a lot of those songs. So you can just flick back through the library, pick one and start learning some of those solos because it's going to really, really help. Now, don't forget, if you're interested in becoming a subscriber and getting access to those Friday episodes, they come with tab downloads each and every week on a Friday. Uh, it's just five dollars a month. And it's really full of great information. Not only does it help keep the podcast going, uh, it helps me out massively, but it's also a really great resource. And there's almost a year's worth 
worth of lessons available as soon as you sign up. So as soon as you pay your first $5, you'll get access to almost a year's worth of lessons and you can work through them methodically one by one. And uh, yeah, it's great to hear so much good feedback about it. People seem to be really getting something out of it, which is, of course, what I want more than anything. So that's all for today. Happy improvising, everybody. I've set up a folder a couple of weeks back. I sent out an email to my email subscribers with a folder with some exercises and things in it that just to get you started building a kind of practice resource. If you're interested in getting access to that, it's completely free. You just need to head over to thebluesguitarshow.com and sign up to the mailing list and then shoot me an email and I will make sure that you have access to that. But you'll also get my regular Friday emails often, which come with extra kind of goodies. All right. Have a great week, everybody, and I'll catch you next time. Are you fully fretboard confident? Do you know where the notes are, how they connect and how they move up and down the strings? My latest book, The Triad Method, is all about using simple three note shapes to completely unlock the fretboard. This book is absolutely full of light bulb moments that are going to demystify the neck three notes at a time. I've compiled a huge number of diagrams, shapes and exercises based on over 10 years of teaching this stuff to make it as simple as possible. Download The Triad Method and see for yourself today. Link is in the description below.